The full crew is here together tonight, guys. We have lots to talk about. Big changes coming from Top Shot. We have non-custodial stuff. MBL is ready to walk us through it. Our guy, John Boy Beats, is going to break down some of the data, the implications with scarcity and supply coming up. IRL activations. We'll even talk a little Yuga Labs, some Bored Apes trailer, all that good stuff tonight on Club Top Shot. New opening, guys. That's beautiful. These are the gifts that keep on giving. Uh, Jennings, uh, look around. That's Andy. That's Mike. That's Jack. Um, this is a top shot. Uh, welcome. Yeah. You know what's super embarrassing? Um, our team that I missed all of Club Top Shot for, we, we made the playoffs. We, like, squeaked in. We won, like, our last three games and had a lot of things break our way. And then Adam and I, who, you know, I missed the show, we went to Nashville. Uh, so we missed the playoffs. So all that hard work, missing Club Top Shot, recruiting college D1 guys, and uh, we missed the playoffs. So, or we made the playoffs and then we missed it. So, um, but, yeah, great to be back with you guys. And uh, that league is over and no, no spring league for me, uh, I, you know. I'm, I'm not feeling too good. Ashley's bashing me a lot on Twitter for all for all the, the rec league stuff. There you go. Well, we're, we're glad to have you uh, back in the saddle. How was Nashville? I, I think I was away when you guys were in Nashville, and then I saw some photos. I saw Leone, Levitan. It looked like you guys had a good crew out there. Yeah, it was fun. Um, we had a good time. Got to play some dice, so that was uh, that was awesome. <laughs> Taught Leone and Ding some dice. Saw Soccer Dave, uh, some ping pong. So, yeah, it was fun, and uh, – yeah, Nashville's boomed. The Uber driver gave us a stat. Zero nine-figure buildings before, and now nine nine-figure buildings are being built right now in Nashville. Like, that place is just totally boomed. The state taxes there are great. And I think just a lot of people moved from big cities to Nashville. I like imagining you having on your Uber app like a filter to get an entrepreneurial mind business <laughs> driver so you could just get stats like this, give it out to you. It's so funny. I just got out of an uber and my driver was um how do i frame this like the most disgusting the way he talked about women uh the horniest uber driver i've ever met in my entire life so i guess that's what my type of driver would be yeah, like and that's makes, a reflection on you yeah it makes sense <laughs> that jennings gets the entrepreneurial <laughs> How's uh how's San Diego? I've seen the photos of the the cliffs, the fish tacos. Seems like you're living it up. I like it. I like West Coast hours. After like nine o'clock over here, everything's done, which I think is cool. It's relaxing, and honestly, the work day for me at least is shortens a little bit because the East Coast stops, and then it's just like there's some games on. So it's been great. Weather is fantastic. My one complaint is. It's, and this is in all of California, LA, same thing. Like no one drives Uber or Lyft. It's nuts. So like, you got to wait 15 minutes to get an Uber. New York, it's like four. Um, so that's why little... it's like three. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike, Bennett, you took a, you took a week off. I assume you've had your head down with floaty stuff. Pretty big week for you, I take it. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down bad overall. There was a lot going on with Floaty, and I was actually in Mexico from Thursday to yesterday. 
um, for oh. a friend's wedding. And so I'm, I'm just down bad overall. It's, I, I, I was like a third of the way through dinner when we kicked this off. Um, I'm, 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 I'm struggling to get things done, but we're finally getting caught up a little bit. A lot going on a floaty. Um, actually played tennis last night. I squeezed that in, which was good. I'm training up for Levitan still. And Dink invited me to tennis tonight. I rejected. I said I can't miss three straight club touches. I know one of them was Hawaii trip. Um, I, I like but. it. I feel like all of your anecdotes, you're like, I'm so busy. And yet I also squeezed a neighborhood pinball tournament in last <laughs> night at my house. <laughs> I play tennis. For, I play tennis from 9 to 1030. It's, an, it's, an, it's a late evening thing. Um, Andy, uh, you're getting your podcast reps in today. I checked in on you on the Bankless podcast. Are you going full time broadcaster on us, even a spaces, if I saw correctly as well. You're muted, so maybe you aren't a broadcast professional. Yeah. yeah. After this is over, I will have had 12 hours of time on calls today. Uh, so <laughs> just a quick day. It'll be yeah, nice and easy. Um. Yeah, it just I feel like it always happens that all that kind of stuff just adds up to where it all ends up being on one day. Like tomorrow I have uh, like a couple hours, but then Thursday I have like one hour of calls. And so I really should space those out better. But Yeah, you um, are looking a little sleepy. If you need to uh, to bow out at any time tonight, we'll give you a, a proper exit to go uh, to retire no. for the evening. I also um, haven't been yeah. sleeping very well. It's been too bright in my apartment with it becoming more like summertime. Uh, we don't have a great curtain situation. And so it's just at like 730. It is just very bright in our apartment trying to figure it out. I'm like going to buy some curtains or something. I don't know. Yeah, we, we'll, uh, we'll send you some links to uh, blackout <laughs> shades. We need to yeah. get you uh, squared away. Uh, shout out to the chat tonight. People digging the new open. We have uh, D-Mang saying the only cultural advantage in California is you can make a right turn on red. Uh, I believe you can do that here because Lord knows I have. Uh, yeah, can you do that ever? <laughs> yeah. Except Manhattan. That's it. <laughs> I think so. Wait, Andy, no. Andy, do you ever, do you ever wear like an eye shade thing? I can't sleep with those. I hate them, but have you considered that? Allie wears one. I've never tried. It just it doesn't feel like me. I feel like I'd feel like a coward <laughs> if I did. I'm not a fan. Oh my god. New updated doll with Andy wearing a nighttime eye mask. <laughs> uh, there. Um Pete, what what's been going on? We've been deprived of your crypto NFT takes. Feels like the market's picking up a little bit again. What what's been on your mind lately? I think the story that I'm following the most that's certainly getting a lot of talk. I guess the board apes or Yuga Labs purchase, but then uh doquan and uh with the, the terror guys um they filmed lfg and they're buying a bunch of bitcoin so it's pretty funny to like watch like the ethereum group or like some of the ethereum maxis the btc maxis the terror there's all these terra luna shills um just kind of watching all the interactions pretty funny um but yeah it's been a wild time a lot of volatility obviously it's really sad what's happening in Ukraine, don't need to go too much into that, but a lot of volatility. Um, and yeah, I've been doing a lot of sports stuff as well as uh, crypto. And then the one thing that's just dragging me down is taxes. I mean, taxes are literally the absolute, nothing makes me more upset than doing taxes. So somehow I need to get more efficient there long-term. Not to, not to pump my own bags. It has pump been them. a 
godsend to pay Allie to do my taxes. <laughs> you are so nuts there. Oh. It, uh, Pete, like, let's not sell yourself short. You live in a pretty nice house, I assume Ashley found for you guys as a as a realtor extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that. I mean, I would trade the realtor for the freaking tax god, um, especially with crypto. <laughs> Come on, that's an did, easy trade. Andy, did she? Did you have to negotiate rates with Allie? Is she giving you a discount? No, I basically said uh, let's extend and do this in let's run this back in October. See how yeah. things go. I, saw I don't know why you guys on... are complaining now. Just extend. This this is like a, yeah. a problem for the fall, not for the spring. So yeah, but you you should pay, and I've also not paid any estimated taxes. You should pay some now. And what ends up happening yeah. every single year is you I really extend. Should... Yeah, don't don't do it. It's do it. so all right. Uh, this is going to be the the Andy who listens to Ali on tax calls all day every day. Uh, it's a half a percent that you owe fee every month for up to the extension date of October 15th. So yep. it's like 3% fee on what you owe. So if you take that 3%, if you take what you owe and put it in anchor protocol, you will earn <laughs> now more. We're talking. You will like legitimately, you will earn more on your I know. tax, like on the money you would pay taxes on in the crypto markets, just earning yield on stable coins than you would paying your taxes on time. Uh, not yeah. financial advice, but I- That's I what I did last year, Andy. That's what I did last year and then I procrastinated like crazy and it was a nightmare and I just envisioned more of a nightmare this year. Actually though, you should, I'll, I'll connect you with Allie because they're like super busy for 415. They're like, they're not taking anyone else. Um, but for- 10, 15, I think they might have more space for clients. Um, Perfect. And I am actively watching them do other people's taxes, and I still feel comfortable with what they're doing. Uh, and so. That's, how do you think my boomer accountant would feel if I called him up right now and I said, wait, 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 don't file. We're going into stables, my man. Uh, I don't know how well he would take that. Um, Jack, are you in tax hell? Uh, we're like completely restructuring snapback while trying to figure out my taxes. So I actually feel like I'm in a good place besides that the bookkeeping company hasn't answered my email in over a week, but that seems like kind of standard part for the course. I need like general tax help. So, uh, when it comes to crypto, I know Ali does more than just, uh, crypto stuff, but, uh, next year, I don't know. I don't. I'm more of a hodler. I'm also a collector, so I don't know how you guys have all these gains. Like, I'm uh, more in the top shot ecosystem, and that's really good for offsetting gains as well. Um, You're but just no. sitting on your skull, your top shot yeah. skull NFT. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm chilling. Yeah, and Eric said, "Are we paying taxes this year?" Uh, yeah. Hang on, not to get sidetracked from this scintillating tax convo, but Jag, you you farmed me enough. What the fuck is Snapback Kitchen? Or is this a real thing? I thought this was a joke. No, this this is a real thing. <laughs> We're opening up uh, thirty virtual restaurants or restaurants across the country. They're virtual restaurants. Uh, if you know Mr. Beast Burger, it's very similar concept. So the concept is this is the idea is who would, who would my audience rather buy 
a chicken tender from? The local <laughs> chicken tender shop or or Snapback? And so Snack fans just want to buy tendies. They just want tendies and mac and cheese, pretty much. And so it's cool because for it, it actually works for both sides. For the local restaurant, imagine you're ch- you do chicken tenders. You're an American restaurant, right? But you only have one location. You get fifty cents a tender, right? Because that's your relationship with the vendor. You know your food provider. Pop Chew is the company behind all of this that launches these food brands. They actually did Pomp's Bitcoin Pizza. So you know if you're familiar with that activation. So. Because they will have a national agreement because we're going to have, you know, 30 locations across. Each of these places will now get cheaper, cheaper, you know, uh, materials for their main restaurant business. So it's really not. And they get the added business as well. So it's really great for both sides. But uh, we're going to do fun stuff like we'll cater food. We're going to have an event. We're launching for the NBA playoffs. If you buy, if you order throughout the playoffs, you'll be entered to go to the finals um similar to top shot and uh yeah it's it's gonna be cool we're gonna learn a lot about it hopefully work with some of the athletes we've worked with in the past give them like their own specific meals but the the craziest part is i thought the food would like suck and like you're just kind of branding it but the food was actually really really good and so that that has me excited if you aren't sending all of us Jack Tendies that we get to all try on a stream together, you have failed as a marketer. Of course. You'll have I might I may even be able to cook up some promo codes for everyone. Uh, <laughs> or or some rewards. We could do rewards if you order, you know, ten times. Most people get a free meal. Maybe you get, you know, four minutes with Andy. You get to ask two NFT questions. I'll send like you guys minutes. off if you're willing. If you're willing to allow them. Yeah, I'll do seven minutes it happened for you, Jack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's you actually go to a closet with Andy and he just feeds you uh chicken tenders blindfolded. It sounds, it sounds we're funny. actually uh I gotta look into accepting ape coin. I think that could be a really, really big play here. Yeah, so where how many when was ape coin launched? When did that happen? Last week, I think. Like four or five years ago at this point, I think. <laughs> yeah. I was just checking the price. Looks like we're at $12. Pete, give me your ApeCoin take. When does it flip Ethereum? Oh, man. <laughs> with ApeCoin and just the whole thing. I mean, imagine selling your uh, your Ape. I think I sold maybe in like uh, February, mid-February or something like that. Sold all the pieces of mutants that I had. I was like feeling really good about it. Just another just blunder along the way. Um, even dude, I, this is legit. I asked Ashley, I was like, Hey, we can get you a virtual dog. I was thinking the kennel club was like a legit play. This is smart. G did not like that. That was not a That's good an idea. Awful idea, Pete. We could, all but dude, it would have been a great idea if we would have bought, this was like a month ago, but yeah, I don't, have like a super, I don't have a super strong opinion on, on ape specifically. I mean, it's been fun to watch. I was, uh, with some guys and not really heavily involved. They're more finance guys, but their first instincts were like, by the day of, which uh, turned out to be, I guess, smart for like the actual first day, but it's held pretty decently in this like 10 to 15 range. And I mean, it has a massive market cap. Then you see what they raised that today for uh, the studio uh, to build out the their metaverse. And then they have all the assets. I mean, it's pretty wild to think like what the whole operation's worth. What do you, I mean, 
Do you guys have a sense of like what you would value all the Yuga Labs assets at? Andy. So they have like $1.6 billion of liquid ape coin. They basically have a break in case of emergency punk coin. They could launch whenever they wanted, which let's say would be half the market cap of ApeCoin. So that's another $800 million worth of punk coin. If they did the exact same distribution, $800 million worth of punk coin. The IP itself, probably based on the rumors that I heard about punks and Mebits, if you like extrapolated that out to Board Apes and Kennel Club and all that, another $800 million. And then all of the just general goodwill brand IP of Yuga. I think that the 4 billion was actually like a pretty good deal. Probably more in like the 6 billion range. I don't know. Did you buy any ape on the secondary, Andy? Uh, I did for a little bit. I had bought some, I was LPing it. Eventually it got out of my price range. I made some fees and called it a day. I didn't have super strong conviction as to how the market would play like in the short term. And so I didn't want to hold on to any. Uh, and I was looking into potentially buying an ape that did had unclaimed ape and all of that, but ended up not doing it. Uh, I'll probably buy some at some point. I, th- I think to me, it's the most compelling metaverse token that exists. I What I've been thinking about a lot lately is just that like, any project that wants to incorporate nfts like if you own the punk and ape ip you have like the largest moat of any nft project like if board apes were if yuga labs was to launch a fork of fractional tomorrow and say we're supporting fractionalization of punks and apes like we would have a problem we'd have to figure out what we're going to do and i think that like holds true for basically every nft project right now whether it's open sea or like literally anything. Uh, and so I think it's kind of like this like game of, Oh, what are they, what are they going to do? What are they building? Because they have this massive community of people who own stuff that is relatively like tightly coupled to the IP that they own to where they would just use whatever they build. Um, I'm greatly offended that ghost of Greg Odin didn't, include me in this list or MBL or Jack, frankly, in this or list. Snapback potential... Kitchens is like a standard. Yeah, this guy's launching chicken tendy businesses and you're not including him in a potential Yuga investor. Um, I did see this uh, floating around here. Um, let's see. Did that get pulled up on my screen there for a sec? Yeah. yeah is that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. So looking at uh, some of these Yuga investors here, if I can enhance uh, Pete, Andy, MBL, Jack, anyone get in on this? Roz got in, which was cool. I love that she got into it. Um, I can't really see the graph. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so we this, I did not. Kaepernick, yeah, yeah. Steve Aoki, uh, Samsung. Samsung. There you so go. Rumor, rumor has it that in order to get into the round, you actually had to own a board ape or a mutant mm. ape. Um, they, they called me, actually. I got a call from him, and they said, you know, we'd love to have you in, but you, you don't have an ape. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that uh, Dapper's actually giving you back your cash for your equity because you're not in the Cool Cats lounge either. 
No, it's, it doesn't carry the same weight. The NLL, <laughs> it doesn't carry the same weight. <laughs> um, and Andy, you had said I, I didn't get a chance to see the leaked deck. You said it was it was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was. Well, so it had very grand visions of what's to come. Uh, it was basically we're going to build the best open interoperable metaverse that could ever exist. Um, everyone loves our brand. They love what we're, the products that we make. We have like viral, you know, everything. Celebrities own our stuff. We're going to build the best possible metaverse that could exist. Uh, it was very hype. I think it was really well done. It definitely was promising a lot, which was basically, well, so one, they like projected in the deck to make like, over a half a billion dollars in revenue this year from NFT sales, um, which is just, it's an insane amount of money. I think they could probably do it. It's just when you think about it for a minute, you're like a half a billion dollars selling NFTs is just totally insane. Um, so we'll see what happens there between their land sales and everything. Um, and then the other big part of it for me was they basically are saying that they're building this open metaverse RPG. Uh, building video games is really, really, really hard. Uh, I, I think they're probably better positioned than most to do it because of the like allegiance everyone has to them, but it'll be an interesting challenge for them for sure. Um, did you guys see the, uh, the trailer featuring the Doors song? Why it though? Yeah, it was good. It was, the it was good. Flying during that moment, like Toads, World of Women, anything that was pictured just oh, yeah, me bits have been going nuts. Yeah, just we can watch flying in that picture. There was a fake video before that was like basically the same that had different had different things in the. How much do you think they had to pay the Doors for the rights to get this song? They probably like gave them access to the round or something. Exactly. You know the day this cars a night. Night divides the Try to run, try to hide. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side, yeah. We're chasing our pleasures here. Dug our treasures there. We can't stay or recall. Yeah, so with all these uh, CCO projects in here, what, what was your guys' read? Obviously, the, the Toads were pumping um, a lot of the stuff in here. Like, what, what do you guys think the implication is? Well, it's clear now with this metaverse, that's going to be part of it. I also think, like, a marketplace makes so much sense for them. Like, how do these guys not? I mean, they have now the Punks marketplace. Um they're giving a huge percentage of all of sales to OpenSea. You know, to me, it makes sense for them to have their own market. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of rumors about that today that they're gonna. Uh, the sound is still ApeCoin. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Doesn't a marketplace with ApeCoin make sense? 
ApeCoin. And I the think that that would actually be a mistake to have it be based in ApeCoin. Uh, no project really ever has done a good job getting people to price their site in another coin other than Ethereum. Even like USDC is hard to get people to use. I just, I, I think that that would be like, I, I think my pushback against that would basically be if Board Ape, if Yuga Labs dropped a marketplace for only the things they had IP for and said, this is our marketplace lower fees than OpenSea, we ask that you use this. And just it was Ethereum, fork of OpenSea, lower fees, maybe not even lower fees. I think that nearly all the volume would move there. If you add in the added variable of, oh, also it's an ApeCoin, I think that that would be a legitimate detriment to like the potential chance they have to like overtake OpenSea's volume just because everyone trades and prices everything in USDC or in, in Ethereum um, in the same way that like, I don't think that most marketplace, like the same reason marketplaces don't make their own like virtual currencies or something in the real world to try to convince you and like try to get you to use that. And it's really hard to get people to use like virtual dollars in like a gift card or something, unless it's gifted to you. I think people just really like using their kind of base currency. And it's a very hard mental thing to get past. Yeah, I will say having been poking around a bit on the uh, treasure marketplace, just with how they have their NFTs over there listed in magic that you get to, you get comfortable with it quickly. And, you know, when you click to the main page, it shows the equivalent in ETH next to it. And I feel like same thing when people are always saying with Top Shot, like, oh, if you price it in ETH, it doesn't seem like it's that hard to list the multiple things. Maybe it's just having the options. I guess you're still having to put a focus on one of them as the dominant currency for it. But I've at least noticed, you know, it pre their their uh, their hack and exploit over there that it did lend itself to some interesting price action with people arbing the price of magic versus like the the small brains floor and stuff. So I don't know, maybe there's some interesting stuff there. But I do agree, like from a macro onboarding new people. Um, they're going to have their hard time wrapping the prices, their head around the prices in Ape. Uh, Mike, do you have any non-dapper takes here or just going to defend the wall? About like ApeCoin and, and the ecosystem? Yeah. I mean, as you can imagine, I think a lot of this, it's hard to justify by any sort of traditional analysis. Like the... Someone asked in the chat, like, how many unique owners are there of these assets that that they own the IP of? And, like, it's, it's really, really hard to monetize a relatively small group to that extent that you can, you know, achieve those revenue targets. So do they have that clear of a path to convincing everyone else who doesn't currently own apes or mebits or punks or mutant apes to jump into this ecosystem and, like... Have they done enough to achieve that to justify this sort of valuation? Like, I don't know, $4 billion is a big number. There are not a lot of companies in the world that are worth $4 billion. Also, we do need to back up because, Mike, we talked uh, a lot last week about um, Yuga acquiring the punks. We have to get uh, your take. We kind of all got ours out last week. But curious where you're at with this now, having some time to marinate on it. Yeah, so I've talked to a few people about it. I think as a collector, I don't love it in the sense that like my punks 
take has always been, I like that they leave it alone, that the Larva Labs guys kind of release this project. It's got an interesting place in history and there's like very little risk. Like they don't do much around it. And the few times they did try to do things around it, like it didn't seem like it was, you know, a, a great thing for them. Um, you know, when they dealt with like the V1 punks, for example, that was like an absolute disaster recently. And so my view is always kind of leave this alone. I don't want any risk of the developers making a decision that would uh, you know, upset the story in any way. And this sort of changes things where now we sort of, we start to introduce the risks that I've always disliked about newer projects, which is they all promise this execution and they kind of rely on hype. But at some point you actually have to put something together. You have to build this metaverse. You have to build a game. You have to do something besides just dropping more NFTs. And that's a risk and that's an execution risk and not really what a level of risk that I want for, for my holdings. Having said that, that's like my, the collector side of me from a, a bags standpoint. I think it's probably a good thing, to be honest. Um, you know, as uh, board apes are, I don't know, 40%, 50% higher than punks are now. So the market's saying that the story of punks alone is not enough anymore. So people want more than just that. And so from that standpoint, you know, the team you want to be aligned with right now is Yuga Labs and, and the Board Apes team. So I think it's good for my bags. Um, I think it definitely changes punks from this like historical relic to kind of part of the new age. It's going from like old money to new money real quick. And... Yeah. So I, I think, I mean, setting aside my own personal um, assets, I think it's a really interesting thing to see that, I don't know, 10 months, 11 months after Board Apes launched and Yuga Labs was formed, that they are doing everything they're doing now, that they're raising at a $4 billion valuation, that they went out and bought the IP for what was viewed as a completely untouchable NFT collection, the Surefire Gold Standard. Um, that will always be number one. And and here's this new competitor coming in and buying out the IP and kind of taking things over 10 months after launching. It's pretty crazy that it happened. I could completely uh, stepping out of anything myself. It's, it's a fascinating story. And I'm really interested to see how the next year plus plays out. Um, if they do anything with punks, like, you know, kind of what are they going to do with it? I assume they have some intention, you know, just go out and buy something to do nothing with it. So I'd be curious to see what they do. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a really fascinating time in the space. And, you know, are they going to continue buying other projects and adding on? Um, are they going to, I don't know, partner with someone else? And is this going to be the, the first of many larger kind of mergers or acquisitions in the NFT space, either by other NFT companies or by um, you know, large scale private equity firms or venture capital firms or anything like that? And it's, it's all happened really quickly. Um, in, in this space. So it's fascinating to watch. Did it change? I, I mean, I know you're, you're King Diamond Hand, but did it make you think, hey, maybe I want to come off of some of these? Um, have you had those thoughts at all? Um, no, not really. Um, I still thought, you know, the, the, the history is always there and I like the story. Um, and I, I do think this is probably a value add longer term, just given what the market's told us at this point. Um, so I, th I think I'm holding on to them for now. Um, I still like the idea that there are, you know, 10,000 total punks, like 9,000 of which are in active wallets. It's a, it's a, it's a really low number. And 
I think this story stands the test of time. So happy to be uh, happy to be a holder still and interested to see what they do with it. Yeah. Pete, what about you? I don't think we got your uh, CryptoPunk acquisition take. Yeah, I talked to a lot of people about it. I think Andy actually in the space is really kind of the, the main point that I think is is probably the most true is, uh, you know, if they are going to sell it, which, you know, given they sold it, they obviously were shopping it. The best buyer is Eucalabs by like orders of magnitude. So from that perspective, I'm definitely happy. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've had a lot of self-reflection just, you know, I, I had a huge anchoring bias uh, towards uh, board apes. I remember Sean was like kind of pitching to the lucky trader team. Some other people were talking about it. And like, I literally didn't buy because I could, could have bought it for like one or two ETH before. And now it was like, whatever, four or five. And I'd been trained at that point, basically like, oh, if you miss that first like pump up, it's probably, you know, not worth going after. And I just kind of closed my eyes to it and definitely had like a punk maxi view to a degree. And um, yeah, so personally, just like, you know, we were right there. How did I, you know, play this so poorly? That's been a lot of like the the reflection. But from a, a long-term perspective, Yuga Labs is, you know, hands down the best buyer of the, the IP. So yeah, I'm excited so, to see what they do with it. In, in the self-reflection, Pete, how do you evaluate? Because it's not over, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, there's still like they could go higher, right? Which is one way. Or they could completely still crash. And I see uh, Anthony says, unsure why execution risk is constantly cited for Yuga when they've done nothing but deliver, whereas Dapper is still you know, doing what they do. I think separated from Dapper, we, we've talked about that a bunch. What I'm always curious, like, what has Yuga delivered on in people's opinions? Um, how much of it, it, like, I think, you know, when Ape Follow Ape was first a thing, it kind of was like a little goofy, it was a little silly. Their community, like, people say diamond hands all the time, like, I don't know. I feel like the majority of it is the community. And now they've done great drops. They did good art. They've made the right business moves in this regard. But what have they, like, delivered on? And so something we talked about last episode um, is, like, their, their next big thing is going to be creating a metaverse, which is a completely different level of a project than, you know, dropping another NFT project or even acquiring. So... I'm genuinely like curious what you guys think uh, they've delivered on or why you have made your faith in them and why you think like this actually is an incredible thing for punks and for the industry and all that. You know my take. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the for me, what it is is basically like, I don't think you can say that board apes just got lucky because they were the first ones after punks because they weren't there was hash masks and hash masks had their moment and everyone forgot about them so they were the second one after punks for the most part uh i think they have a really good kind of pulse on what do people actually want what is interesting to them whether it's ape fest or a yacht party or whatever um, I think that it did a good job, like kind of figuring that out. And then I think they've done a really, really good job understanding 
and figuring out how to expand access to what they're building without making the original 10,000 ape owners feel bad about it. I think that's a really challenging thing to do and it generally doesn't go very well. And I think there was a moment in time where Board Ape Kennel Club didn't quite get there. And it was like very much so on the precipice of like not working and they, they figured it out. Uh, I think that that's kind of the stuff to me as far as what their execution that's been very good has been is obviously over time, if they want to expand this to be whatever they want it to be, it can't be 10,000 people who have access. It can't be 40,000 people who have access. And so then it's like they up until this point have better than anyone else figured out how to expand their reach, connect with people and dilute their supply, dilute everyone else without them feeling bad about it. And so I just, if I had to bet on someone to do that to the next million people, I think it would be them. Um, that, that That's kind of where I think they've like executed. Whereas right. like some, I don't know. Yeah, there's plenty of people who haven't. I guess my question is, you say to the next million, but once again, if they are trying to be the metaverse, like meta is trying to build for a billion people. And so that's where I just, that's my concern is like they have, it's almost like Supreme, like what they are to me is like, they're Supreme in that they get the pulse, they know what's next, they acquire, they partner with the right projects, all that stuff. But Supreme has always stayed like within their lane. They've never said, hey, we're gonna go manufacture, close and create an entire, you know, we're gonna go outside of lifestyle and all that. They've obviously expanded outside of their original. They're entering a whole new game. And look, they've got the VC money for it. They've got the yeah. advisor. Like, they've probably got the best team to do it. Um, and because they've had that pulse, I give them credit, absolutely credit. I think what you touched on is that is something that people might not recognize as concrete, but like having a finger on the pulse is incredibly important. I just don't know if they'll be able to hit the next level, but that's what we'll see. Yeah, I think probably the more applicable comparison as opposed to Supreme is Yeezy. And like you think about Kanye's progression from insanely hyped sneaker drops, like impossible to get, wait in line for 10 hours. You wake up at 5 a.m. for the Yeezy supply drop. And if you don't get that, you go to the Adidas drop and you try to bot that and you can't do it. And then all of a sudden, it's not that hard to get a pair of Yeezys, but they still go for 50 bucks above retail, whatever, whatever. And now he's selling sweatshirts with Gap and everyone owns them, but they still sell out and they still are 10 bucks above retail to get one. And it's like, I, I think that that's really the, more the trajectory of what they're going for of this like slow and steady main culture, like mainstream culture, like dilution of what their product is, but in a way that doesn't feel bad. Like Yeezy now is kind of a bit cheesy. I don't really wear my Yeezys anymore. But they're still, it's still cool. I thought about buying one of the sweatshirts. Like it's still, they still have like that name brand value. That to me is more how I, I think at this point, how I would compare them as opposed to like Supreme. I would echo a lot of what Andy said. I think there's a lot of sharp points there. And then they were lucky in terms of like the right place at the right time. Like right as this boom happened and then they get all these powerful things to compound for them that's generated a real moat. And especially now with all this capital they've gotten, 
They have a mm-hmm. massive, massive moat. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it was right place, right time. But yeah, they executed super well. And like community and what they've delivered is compounded really well. They onboarded celebrities um, better than any other community, in my view. They, you know, the mutants, I know the Kettle Club probably, like Andy said, didn't go perfectly, but they learned from it. And then the mutants was like, in my, I mean, that was super hyped and people loved it. And now, I mean, the premium on mutants is, that's an amazing market. So to me, yeah, they could still screw it up. They had huge aspirations, which I actually, it makes me excited given kind of the trajectory and how much capital they've taken in. Yeah, it's much harder to achieve that, but at least they're taking a shot and they really do have a real moat um, in a lot of ways. And I was just going to say too, one of the things that I think it's easy to take for granted what they've done because now so many projects have tried to copy their kind of community roadmap. So all these things of like the companion NFT or even more recently launching the coin, it's like all the stuff we all roll our eyes when we hear it because it's like the de facto boilerplate roadmap for ambiguous NFT project but they've been the one that have knocked it out of the park with, like Andy said, that execution level. So it's like all these things on the surface don't feel that special just because so many people are trying and doing them, but they actually executed it at a high level. And so I think that's why to me, I'm like, yeah, like you said, it's not that impressive. And yet no one else has been able to execute on that level. I guess the counter argument is that there is this Lindy Veblen effect to it where it's just like, well, each subsequent thing becomes more valuable just because of what they've already established and they're coasting off of their one good initial wave. I, I think that would be the counter to them not having done much. Um, let's shift gears here a little bit. Uh, John boy is going to be joining us in a bit, but I wanted to give Mike uh, a little spotlight here to talk about some of the big news in the top shot landscape this week. We of course had Roham giving uh, a pretty uh, meaty, Twitter spaces Q&A over the weekend with a lot of kind of actionable roadmap things. Uh, Most germane uh, to this crew and to Mike and Floaty, we can now send moments to non-custodial wallets. So, Mike, let me give you the floor here and uh, and talk about this. Yeah. um, So so first about this non-custodial announcement, this is it's as big for Andy and crew as it is for. Myself, it's it's really big for any kind of third party platform building on flow. And really what it does, it it catches Top Shot up to every other NFT in the sense that one of the biggest advantages of NFTs is you can build these tools that take advantage of the underlying technology that allow you to do kind of anything with the NFTs. And to date, that's been very, very limited by the fact that initially um, Top Shot assets were all Kind of contained to the platform now top shot uh, then then they released legendaries as non-custodial in april i think it was and now all assets are non-custodial and you know there's a lot of different ways to think about it but in some ways it's like okay all these assets were contained in this small box and you're basically only allowed to do what dapper tells you you can do with them which means the way you display them the way you share them with your friends the way you buy and sell them the way you build financial products around them, the, the games that are built around them all have to be within dapper's ecosystem and so if someone wants to create a game like i don't know think about like pokemon or like mlb showdown these these games that rely on you know these uh, these underlying cards but like they kind of build their own game around it and people come up with other variations of the game and things like that you can't do that when the assets are locked in the ecosystem you can't use them on a platform like floaty you can't use them on a platform like fractional um 
because they're locked into this ecosystem. So now unlocking them and making them non-custodial, the, the NFTs are really yours. Like you can take them off the platform and do anything with them. You can go build a platform that allows you to display them in a really cool way or a different and interesting way. You can do all these financial products with them. You can do trades with them. You can do trades that are um, a top shot moment plus some tokens plus um, a versus NFT art for another top shot moment and do just way more the same way if you just owned an asset in physical world you can do anything you want with it it's your asset and so the sh- the quickest way to think about it is that it's truly yours now and that the world has kind of opened up for a lot more to be built around these top shot assets for sure andy what are uh, have you guys been excited about this development over at fractional as well Oh yeah, for sure. I, we're, we're super excited about it. I think, you know, there's doing the multi-chain stuff has proved more challenging than we expected, uh, just kind of in general. And then also using, you know, like currently there's some small things with fractional, not that small, but things with fractional, like we don't really, our smart contracts don't understand the idea of royalties and different things that we're still trying to figure out to make sure that we don't, we don't want to be on the NBA's bad side or anything like that. Um, but we're, we're excited to be able to support this pretty soon. That's awesome. Um, Mike, have you seen, uh, already kind of an uptick in people using floaty now that it's not limited to the upper tier moments? Yeah, definitely. And, and what, what we've liked to describe to people is it really opens up, um, the addressable market for floaty. Not that many people own legendary top shot moments. There just aren't that many of them. Um, and so there's been a lot of people over the last six weeks who have said kind of when rare, when, when rares, when commons, when fandoms, like those are the assets I have and I want to participate. So this opens the door for them. And then there's also a lot of lenders on the other side of the equation who've said, you know, I don't have $5,000 I want to put towards a loan. I want to put $150 towards a loan. And for legendary assets, that match doesn't really work because the assets are typically, you know, $1,000 plus a value, if not a lot higher than that. So this allows smaller lenders to participate, more borrowers to participate, which then makes it more interesting for lenders because there's more going on. And it's a, it's a nice overall impact for us. And we've definitely seen an uptick of, of participation. So it's been, uh, it's been cool. I'm watching yeah, the Knicks just die right now. Are, are you watching? I, I'm just, I'm following the game via the chat. We got rest in peace, Taj. We have yeah. that, that kitchen so- here. <laughs> He so Trey already had like 41 and 14 in the game, and then they got a switch on Taj, and he actually broke his ankles. Like, this may be the last play of Taj Gibson's career. <laughs> it's going to be a top shot moment. It was disgusting. <laughs> By the time he shot it, Taj was like 10 feet behind him. <laughs> All right, here we go. I think I just found the clip on uh, on Twitter here. Let me see. Oh, internet back oh, oh whoa, just got it. The crowd. Yeah, that's a that's a tough scene. It was it was almost like he did it to himself too. Like he got juked and then he he's oh man, that's rough. That's rough takes me back to a high school gym uh a high school game where that happened to me uh in front of a, a packed house and i got crossed up so bad and like there were 
fans from the other that were like running on the floor doing like the and one stuff. <laughs> one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, so the non oh, yeah. thing's exciting. It's been a long time coming, to be honest. Like they've kind of floated. This is coming for a while, so it's nice to see it actually happen. Um, so that was great. Yeah, and it seems like the market has responded uh, favorably to the announcements over the weekend. I was checking my uh, account value on Own the Moment the other day, and, and things are, are way up right now. Do you guys think um, there are obviously other uh, pieces from that Twitter spaces that that Roham was talking about. Do you guys attribute it to anything specific or just kind of a, a pump based off of these roadmap announcements in general? I'd say my, my, my take on that is the, the, the one biggest takeaway is that dappers willing to kind of adjust their plan based on community feedback. And so, you know, one, one of the items they focused on in the announcements is capping and reducing supply. So basically expanded use of trade tickets, which reduces supply, capping new common moments at 30,000 addition size, um, removing one of the two planned bases for a few of the rookies and doing other things to limit and control supply. Like they, they talked about crafting challenges, which are basically challenges where you have to burn the asset to participate in the challenge, which should make for interesting decisions for people and obviously take some of the moments out of circulation. So I think hopefully some of those initiatives address people's concerns about the supply side. Um, and then, you know, they took a few steps to try and improve the calculation for collector score. So that's been one of my gripes where anyone within the same set is basically worth the same number of collector score points. And so if you want to optimize for collector score, you actually should be buying the worst um, asset within a set, which is a very strange incentive. And so they've said they're going to fix the collector score calculation to better capture the collecting side of things, which I think is important. Um, and a few other announcements, which we can, we can wait for, uh, for John boy to come on to talk to them in, in more detail, but, uh, here we go. Hey, on hey. You. I, 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 I promise no one told me to say that. Yeah. Welcome, uh, John welcome. Jackson, AKA John boy beats, AKA the man with the top shot data. And also a man who I have been tailing on his March madness bets and have been, uh, crushing it there too. Welcome to the show. What's up guys. Thanks for having me. Excited to, uh, excited to be here. Another club top shot appearance. Yeah, and were you you were at some of the games over the weekend, weren't you? Yeah, I was in uh, I was in Milwaukee. My my dad or my dad's from uh, Wisconsin, and my uncle lives in Madison. So we we got to get our hearts crushed on Sunday watching the Badgers uh, shoot one for twenty two from three and lose to Iowa State. And yeah, but I mean, watching March Madness live is a, is a tough thing to top. Wait, how down bad are you? Because I also see the Devontae Adams Green Bay Packers know, dude, jersey it's, behind it's, you. It's been, <laughs> it was a rough weekend, man. It was a rough weekend. There was a lot of pissed off uh, Wisconsin people uh, just across the spectrum of sports. I bet. I bet. Um, well, Mike has uh, kind of been filling us in on some of the custodial implications, but what were some of your biggest takeaways from the Roham spaces over the weekend and kind of how the market has reacted? Yeah, I mean, I think like, like, I don't know, I don't, I don't think anything's going to go crazy. Um, I think like the, you know, things have kind of leveled out a little bit. And maybe people have a little bit more belief in the platform again, and are starting to to buy into the future of Top Shot, um, which is, you know, of course, positive. But I think the the biggest takeaways that I had is just some of the stuff that they, um, you know, 
introduced that was kind of like really listening to some of the stuff that the community had been, you know, not too stoked about. And, you know, sometimes that can be a bad thing, right? If they're just listening to the loudest complainers in the room and just giving everybody airdrops and dapper bucks and whatever. But I think the, the, the mentality of kind of like building their platform and their supply and the mechanics that they have towards the current user base versus kind of chasing the carrot of like, yeah, we're going to have a billion people on flow eventually um, seemed to be like one of the central themes that kind of came out of that. And um, I mean, Roham even said that like, you know, commons aren't just meant to be common anymore. Like we're going to start kind of paying more attention to supply versus demand and stuff like that. Um, so I think that was pretty big. Um, and then I'd be interested to talk a little bit about the crafting uh, stuff towards towards the end at some point, because I think that is a really interesting dynamic that there sounds like they're going to introduce here with the throwdown set um, and, and the Ja Morant reward where instead of just, you know, having X amount of moments in a challenge showcase to get the reward, you're actually going to have to burn those moments and like effectively remove them from the platform. Um, and that's just a whole nother game theory aspect uh, for some of these kind of rare moments that is going to be uh, really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, for sure. I saw someone had to take, I think they were even asking in the discord too, with like the way things are moving with top shot and their take was kind of, is the middle level of top shot moments, is that kind of getting forgotten with kind of the higher end stuff? And then of course, all the more churn with the challenges. Do you have a, do you have a take on, on the stuff kind of in the middle ground? Yeah. I mean like the, the, or I, I don't know if I would call it the middle ground, but I think the, the, the tier or whatever the category of moments that I think is going to have the hardest time holding value over time is the like, is like the series three MGLE of a player who has a series one and a series two is going to get a series four, stuff like that. And maybe it's not like the coolest moment of all time and isn't something that people were hyping up on Twitter or something when it happened. Um, those are kind of the moments that I get a little nervous about trying to, you know, hold in my collection or something. And, you know, if it's, uh, you know, like the jaw is a good example. Like right now he is, you know, the face of the NBA, right. And like, everybody's crazy about jaw this season. Um, and all of his moments are at a premium on the platform right now. And that makes a lot of sense because everybody wants to chase the new jaw dunk or the jaw block or whatever. But like two years from now, when it's just a series three MGLE, like, is it really that cool of a moment over time? And that and it is or does it just fall into like another metallic gold? And that's where I think that like the crafting thing could like really come into play. And I mean, I don't know exactly where they're going to go with this. And I don't know how how far they're going to lean into it, because it obviously impacts their kind of revenue if just it's a lot of just turning in moments for new moments every year but like there's a, a world where like um you know series four mgle drop comes out and they say hey um the first like he here's uh the next here's the next 20 players that are coming out for the metallic golds of series four we're gonna open it up for a day if you turn in 10 series three metallic golds you get to pick one that you want right and so then that, that like that like eliminates kind of the 
the metallic golds from series three that maybe people aren't seeing as super valuable allows them to move that into like a new moment that maybe is more popular. And then it also would keep, you know, the series three moments that people care about still there because people wouldn't turn those in. So um, that's just like a random example of like how they could maybe kind of like fight that a little bit of those like mid tier moments, not being super, super, you know, like appealing, but that is like the tier that I, I do have the most concern about of how it how it plays out. Because like if you look at the rares right now, like if you just kind of look at like series two rares and series three rares and you look at like the mint counts, there's really no like pattern between mint counts and like pricing. Um, and I think that's just uh, indicative of like there's not enough like um, like capital on the platform to make those efficient. Um, and so that's where it kind of, I think it gets a, a little bit hairy moving forward. Yeah. And, you know, a few of these other, you know, things that they were teasing, uh, from the spaces up here, as far as what's ahead, you know, John mentioning the crafting challenges. We also have customizing your profile. I know people have wanted to be able to update their <laughs> profile picture for a while offers bids. I mean, this is the huge one we've been talking about literally since the beginning. Um, I mean, to me that that's the biggest game changer potential here. I mean, could anything here shift the market as much as having a, a bid system? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say like short term, I think like opening up offers and bids and I'd be interested to hear what everybody else thinks, um, on like, cause that would be more similar to like the open platform and stuff like that. But Short term, I do think opening up offers and bids is going to lower like the perceived value of a lot of rares and legendaries, right? And I think, I don't know if the, the general population is ready for that impact. And I think they want to see offers and bids, but I don't think they want to see high end moments in their account lose 40% value overnight because now there's some buying pressure on it. So that, that'll be kind of interesting, but obviously long term, the benefits are are better than kind of the short term impacts. I think it's going to rip off the bandit at some point. Like it, yeah. it, all it's doing is just revealing reality. And yeah, yeah if, if people don't realize what their moments are worth uh, at that level, it, but what I do think it does to a degree, like if you want to look at it through a positive lens is it'll also give buyer confidence right now. The worst thing you could do on top shot, it feels like is buy a rare moment or a legendary because someone else is going to buy it for cheaper in the next four weeks or eight weeks. And it's like, okay, here's the actual price on it. And people that will give them confidence. We've kind of seen it with like the Durant run it back. I would say that's the most high price moment that constantly moves. And so even through dips and dives, whatever we, you know what the market price is for it. And so I think that's a benefit to these things. Cause right now you just have no clue what someone's willing to pay. And you could argue that, yes, you know, the second people make offers, they're, they're going to lowball and then it'll slowly find its number. People will sell way below what they should probably sell for. But then you're actually getting into people's hands who want these moments and who aren't trying to flip it anyways, which is also a positive sentiment. So I'm all for it. Um, and then lastly, like you look at the auction stuff, whether – like they keep rising. We haven't checked in on those in a minute, but I saw now they're all going for 50K plus up from 40K. 
So there is a little bit of money that's trickling in, whoever it may be coming from. But I would yeah. love. Do we know any of the winning uh, auction winners? I mean, it'd be it would be awesome to talk to them. Uh, I, I've seen one person on Twitter that I was familiar with one, but I don't even remember who it was. But I think Wade's won one of them, didn't he? Yeah, Wade's might have won one. Um, apparently, I, I think nine of the first fifteen winners were in nine lives lounge which is interesting perks baby yeah um yeah mike i did have a question uh in our club vip discord here from Mang. he said will mbl finally join nine lives lounge after the updates from this weekend your response wait what is added to nine lives lounge from this weekend as a as someone who owns it and has no it's idea a, as, as a passionate member of the nl yeah. <laughs> as a, as, yeah massive massive fan no andy's a big time community member didn't you uh give away a few moments to the nine lives lounge crew i think i just point? said i would and then i deleted my- <laughs> I, remember <laughs> I left the discord well there you go nine lives lounge coming with pitchforks for andy um <laughs> I guess I, I don't know why specifically uh, this would compel you to, Mike. Um, yeah, I, I mean, nothing. nothing's changed from my perspective. Um, there's definitely increasing pressure from the community to jump in, to jump aboard. Um, a few people, I, apparently people used to say it was like a sometimes a toxic Discord. There seems to be some <laughs> nice commentary around it now. Apparently there's... Apparently, Eddie Dunks runs a nice show in there, I think, if I saw that correctly. Yeah. Um, and people are having a good time in there. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I would Ooh. say it's not in the near-term roadmap. Um, it's like, think of your normal NFT collection. When they start releasing games, I'll start thinking about it more seriously. So sometime in like 2028 or so, probably. Mike, I can see it now. Why I sold my CryptoPunk and bought 19 Nine Lives Lounge sets thread emoji. <laughs> I mean, Mike, this is this is built for you. And each <laughs> each one each set yeah. will have a tweet that accompanies <laughs> it. So it'll be a, a long one. Mike, the it last not have a single also, title. <laughs> no, get out of here. At the last also one, one is the Knicks, right? Mike. You're not gonna buy it. What'd you say? The last all-star NFT. On auction is the Knicks. You're not gonna. Oh, I might buy it. Who says I'm not gonna buy it? I thought we were gonna split it. <laughs> I'm still waiting to leverage my Ish Smith MGLEs on Floaty to get some. You should be players. leveraging your LeBron 23. Hmm. That's not mine. Wow. Mm. Um, Pete, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you were grinding this uh, the Twitter spaces, but one of the other big things was talking about some of these IRL you know, community rewards that I know we've been pounding the drum for, for a while, spend based rewards, top shot on the road, a potential top shot convention. We got league pass being teased, uh, team discord communities where they're going to get uh, budgets to potentially throw their own events. And then of course, kind of the access to unlocked and tickets. Does this get you uh, more excited as what it might mean for, you know, uh, top shot collectors with heavy bags? Yeah, no, this is like basically exactly a lot of things we talked about. I mean, like the league pass and access to content is a no brainer. Um, tickets and stuff, I think is really cool. I'm excited to see what they do. I've always thought it'd be awesome if there's like 
a top shot moment for like every game. And if you're at the game, you got that like really cool moment. Imagine you were there for that Lakers, you know, LeBron dunking over Kevin Love and you were at that game. And, you know, you had to be at the game to get the moment or whatever. Like there's a zillion things they can do that I think are really smart. And this is a step in the right direction. And uh, yeah, I actually did notice I was kind of just opening up the the Top Shot account uh, over the weekend and kind of checking things out for the first time in a bit. Uh, I was happy to see some some good price action as well as uh, the commentary. So, yeah, seems like good news. I mean, broadly, I mean, Mike, you're, you seem happy. I mean, this has been one of the better executed things by Dapper so far, would you guys say? Yeah, definitely. I think, again, my biggest takeaway is that they're they're willing to, you know, it takes them some time, but they're, you know, they're willing to adjust their plan um, for the community. I do sometimes worry that they respond too much to the community, that the community is very short term oriented, very kind of effectively pump my bags oriented. And I don't know if that's best for the longevity of the platform, but I think that most of what they announced are positives. my one concern being that the more complex they make the platform, which a lot of this does, the less appealing it is to just an average basketball fan. And it's hard to combine the requirement to essentially have to be active you know, 24-7 on the platform to optimize your collection. With It's hard to reconcile that with the concept of getting to hundreds of millions of, of basketball fans. Like It's got to be a pretty chill, laid-back, that- like basketball-focused thing, not – this uh, gamified thing with crafting challenges and staking and flash challenges and all these things that are, that take months to understand what's going on um, for it to be super appealing to a mainstream user. So I'm, I'm interested to see how they try and reconcile that. But like right now I feel like I need like a dedicated full-time assistant to watch what's going on in, in top shot world. And I don't know if that's best for for the long term. I think the current user base, it's great. You know, most of the current user base is really, really involved day to day. And um, I think that's good. And it's definitely reinvigorated the platform and some exciting concepts. I just wonder how they tap into the more casual market with the current setup. Makes me think about uh, more like crypto at large in a lot of ways. I feel like one of the things I've noticed in, in crypto in general is you have these like booms of users who then get educated on what can happen and they just want more and then they like end up wanting staking and all those other things like i feel like it's happening in regular nfts as well and i I do feel like sometimes some level of like short-termism can be bad where you like accommodate the very educated user who knows exactly what they want and they want x y and z right now uh, and like you kind of forget the new person who's coming on to every system and you like as DeFi stuff gets more complicated and you have like Uniswap V2 to Uniswap V3, Uniswap V3 is way more complex and really hard to understand and a lot of people just like can't use it and so it's way harder to onboard like a new random person to Uniswap V3 and I, I think it's like a it's not exclusive just to um, Dapper and Topshot but kind of like a challenge with these systems where you're like trying to accommodate your current most active user who is probably not going to be like the median active user on your site in a world where you reach like mass adoption. I think it did like, it did signal like if anything that they're at least like 
maybe re reprioritizing what their expectations are or like readjusting what their expectations are like for the current series or the next six months or 12 months or whatever. I think like at the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, marketing and let's onboard all these people. And if that didn't happen, this was maybe a softer way to say, hey, we now need to scale back a little bit because we didn't double our user base like we expected. And in my opinion, like leaning into the, it is an interesting paradox because like Dapper, you could probably argue that is the, is the, easiest platform to onboard to, right? You can basically buy an NFT with a credit card in 15 minutes. Um, but as they continue to uh, add more mechanics and like create this environment that it's, it is, it does get pretty complex and it's like, it, it isn't, you know, it, it doesn't appeal to a brand new person who just wants to collect cool basketball highlights. Um, so, but, but I do think that there's, is something to be said about like, just kind of leaning into the call it 50,000 to 80,000 or whatever people that are like showing up to the packs every week and like, and, and really are ingrained in the platform and not, not necessarily just like listening to them bitch and moan, but like, just like building the platform around that kind of demand versus like an outscale demand that maybe isn't going to be met in the near term. And just kind of, cause, cause I don't really ever think we're going to get to a point where all of a sudden last February happens again and every moment on the site is 20 bucks, right? It's just like, it's just not going to happen. Like that, that's just, I, I don't really see like a, a environment where all of a sudden 500,000 new people join tomorrow and they're at this huge, you know, like, like last a year ago today, like there would be moments sitting on like the blockchain, like we could see that they were made it, but they didn't, they couldn't put them into packs quick enough. They couldn't figure out the mechanics of like how to get more supply out. Right. And like, now with the Anthony Edwards re reward that came out today, that highlight literally happened like yesterday or two days ago or whatever. And it's like, and, and all of a sudden that moment is now on the platform. And so like they, 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 they're so much better suited to like hit that demand. If it's there that I think it's smart for them to kind of scale back a little bit and just try to stay, stay a little bit within their wheelhouse for the short term. The big yeah, thing they have going for them is, the NBA too. I mean, the playoffs are about to be fucking sick. The Eastern Conference this year is going to be epic, and that's really like the league pass thing. Like, if I'm Dapper Labs and I'm the NBA, I'm thinking like, how can we get as many like people just obsessed with the NBA or like casual to a little bit more into it, or someone who didn't watch the NBA before at all into it a little bit. And that there's some really smart stuff they can do there, in my opinion. Like, there should be packs where you get league pass for free. Imagine you got a moment that you got lead pass for free or something like that. Um, I don't know. I don't have the right idea exactly, but I, I have high conviction that you know they should be really aligning with like the NBA and, and onboarding people there as well. Because to me, I, I think the playoffs are going to be awesome this year. Like, have you guys looked? I mean, most years we just know who's going to be in the finals. This year, there's so much more parity and so many storylines. Um, I don't know. It should be awesome. Well, one thing along the lines of what you're just saying that people talked about. Er, am I playing? Ugh, a, a video just decided to start on my side. Um, I hate that. When you go to a website, I'm just trying to read an article and something the video plays. Close well, your private browser, Mike. It's not the time for this. It's just, it's just g general ESPN. They just decide like five minutes after I open the window. Hey, no free plugs. Yep, ESPN for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you guys think I'm doing in the background during the show? <laughs> It's, a, it's above the waist type of show. How would we know? Sure, stand Go up. ahead, Mike. 
<laughs> do you want me to stand up? Yes or no? Stand up. Reveal yeah, something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, Mike, stand up. Standing desk. Everyone, he's everyone wearing his jeans. Oh, no. Have a standing desk. You're standing. What, what, what kind of pants? What kind of pants does everyone think I'm wearing? Uh, shorts, gym shorts. I bet he's in jeans right now. He said he was just coming from dinner. Yeah, dinner in my house, not out dinner. Well, I'm in sweatpants. It's not that okay. exciting. They're they're Costco sweatpants. Okay, all right, little twirl. <laughs> all right, camera really not positioned correctly. We got no. your you know your back pretty nicely. Your midriff right. looks great though. Thank you. So what what we what we talked about in the early days is that they could have like a partnership with Nike where Nike's doing some exclusive shoe drop, like something that like what Jennings is rocking in the background there. And like 50 of the packs have an insert that you can redeem for the sneakers or sell the insert if you want or do something else. And like there's a lot of interesting possibilities like that. And like to obviously tying it into the NBA and League Pass would be cool too. Yeah, dude, you open a pack, you have like a bunch of commons and one of them gets you League Pass for the year. Like that's so easy and like so cool. Oh, boom! You oh, you got a, you have a rare pack or whatever courtside tickets. Like one in every couple hundred packs or whatever. Like stuff like that to me is just so obvious. Um, and it doesn't because I think the hard part about tying like a collectible and utility is then the price of the collectible is directly tied to the utility. So you can introduce all these things that still create engagement, still are good for the NBA, that are involved in the whole product, are involved in spending money but don't aren't like directly on like the moment itself. And I think there's still cool stuff you could do there. Like if someone has every Knicks player, Nuggets player, I mean, we've talked about this stuff a bunch, but the inserts and packs, like that's so obvious. The shoe, the league pass tickets just makes well, they, sense. They essentially announced that like during playoffs, they're going to roll out uh, a spin based marketplace basically. And, and I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but essentially based on what you spent on the website, you're going to be able to claim rewards, whether it's, I don't know whether it's merchandise, whether it's other top shop moments, whether it's tickets to games, whatever. Um, but like that is just seems like a really easy proof of concept of like how they can do this. Right. And, and how they can easily pull the levers on the partnerships they have. And and like, I mean, you talk about like the trade ticket stuff. And right now, the only use case for these shitty 60,000 you know, moments that everybody pulls from packs that literally just should have should just say trade ticket on them. They they. Like right now, all you can do is buy packs with them. And it's like, like how it's so easy to like turn in 10 trade tickets for, you know, just sync it up with Fanatics or whatever. Or it's not going to happen with Fanatics because they're a competitor, but sync it up with the NBA store, right? And it's going to be turn in 10 trade tickets and you get a coupon for a free shirt. Or like there's just like so many ways that they can like run with it. And then like all of a sudden, this supply that everybody's been bitching about is like not there anymore. And the, it's just like a, there's just like two tiers, right? It's like the tier of, moments that allow you to do cool shit and then there's the tier of like collectibles which have value and like maintain value or whatever over time and i think the more that like the 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 utility that you can do cool shit with happens the the if there's going to be kind of like a break and right now like as the market turns like the whole market kind of goes with it and the whole market kind of bounces back but like you would expect over time that like there's going to be somewhat of a of a break in that kind of tiers. Right. And like, theoretically, if a bunch of new commons come out, the LeBron top shape debut shouldn't lose value. Right. Yeah. 
I had another question in the Discord from Herd Nation. He wanted to hear your takes, John Boy, on the upcoming throwdown challenge and what it means for burning moments to get a certain reward. He was referencing that the jaw moment 2x last night. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. And I think the, the throwdown set right now, so the throwdown set last year was like, you know, obviously the infamous only minus EV pack on the platform for X amount of months and blah, 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 blah. And everybody hated it. Um, since then, it's like, it's like the, the rewards have like gone crazy because there's only like 200 people that did the damn challenges back then. Um, but still the 1800 mint count, I think is a clear over mint. Um, and I thought it was interesting that in the blog last night for the throwdowns pack, they highlighted returning players versus like brand new players. And it made me just me reading too into it, but um, it would make a lot of sense that if in order to get the jaw reward, that's going to be this crafted challenge where you have to burn moments um, that the moments that would be the ones that could be burned would be the moments from last year that are of players that are getting a moment this year. Right. Because right. it kind of goes along that narrative of like, you know, that moment's maybe not as valuable anymore. And so you could turn it in for uh, the new moment. And um, I don't know, there's some really interesting dynamics that are going to happen with this crafting thing. Um, if, you know, I mean, we literally know nothing about it right now besides Roham just saying that, yeah, there's going to be challenges that you can get from burning moments. But like right now with the flash challenges or, or really any challenges on the site, there's always like a spike in moments. And then, you know, the challenge comes out and the moments fall back down. But this will be the first like mechanic where there's going to be like a spike of moments. But because then those moments are going to be burned, they're not going to fall down as much and, and maybe only fall down a little bit. And so there's going to be like a real decision that you have to make of like okay well now this moment i had in my account just went up 300 bucks and maybe the opportunity cost is a lot less now of me because because right now if like a moment pumps and you don't complete the challenge like it's almost like you have to sell it because why like why wouldn't you it's just going to go back to the price it was you know a week later and you can buy it back then um but now that opportunity cost decision is going to be a little bit more complex and it's a little bit more dynamic um, and I think that's going to be interesting. And like, there's theoretically going to be a window when the jaw reward gets announced on the dynamics to where you're going to be able to buy whatever the requirement is at a pretty like risk-free price point, because that moment isn't going to fall back down to earth because 300 of it or 500 of it or whatever are going to be burned. And so, um, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of like pumps and stuff that happen, um, and I think there's a lot of ways that they can go with it. Like it, they're like the, the the easiest thing that we've kind of been thinking about when they talk about this crafting is like, okay, I can turn in a hundred jaw Morant floor moments and I can get access to a jaw rare, um, and you know, et cetera. Turn in ten jaw rares and I get access to a jaw legendary or whatever. Um, and I think that's like a it, it's harder to maybe like flush that out um, how that works and and stuff like that within the sets, but um like that's that's like another thing that just is like a deflationary kind of aspect that could happen on the platform um that i think is going to have like bigger impacts than maybe people give it credit for and i think it's pretty cool it just gives people another option of of how they kind of want to curate their collection a little bit yeah this also is a good time to mention breaking news club top shot is hosting the throwdown pack drop 
uh, stream on Thursday. So you can tune in and see us there. I believe we are scheduled for 1 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. On that, so uh, we'll be we'll be streaming it here, obviously simulcasted over to the Top Shot Twitch and embedded on the Pack Drop stream. So when was the last time we did that, Jack? That had to have been like a year ago. The last time we did that, you're muted. I gotta get uh, I gotta find an outfit or a costume between yeah. now and Thursday. I, I thought it. I I thought it had been a year and we were never getting invited back. Uh, but lo and behold, our guy JP over there uh, reached out, wanted us to to get back in the rotation. So, yes, we will uh, – special edition of Club Top Shot on Thursday. Um, but, yeah, do you guys have any other kind of thoughts on uh, the dynamics that John Boy was describing, you know, with that throwdown set and how it might apply to uh, future sets? I mean, I'm happy to go, but I – I've shared Mike, lots of top this shot is your goals. time. This is your time to Mike, shine. Shine, buddy. Yeah, do it. No, I'm, I'm just saying, it, it, I, I, I like these interesting dynamics, and they're interesting for current collectors. But again, my concern would be longer term. You know, it, it seems almost unapproachable to, you know, a few of the, you know, us who aren't that involved day to day. And like, we're like pretty damn close to the space. So I just hope it's presented in a way that's like pretty easy for people to digest. Um, or, I mean, what ends up happening here is that, like, pe because we have people like John Boy and other smart people in this space, what happens is there's there's new people rely on kind of analysts and s content creators in the space to explain to them what's going on and give them guidance. And there are other spaces that work like that. But I do think it's important for things to stay approachable. Um, I'm excited to see all these things play out for the rest of this season. Um, but definitely would be eager to learn more about their plans to go more mainstream and make things more approachable longer term. So I, I, I like all this stuff and I think it's fun if it was just a bunch of like us DGens on the platform in perpetuity. I think it would be like all good, all rainbows and roses and butterflies. Um, but just conscious of the you know, kind of 50 year old guy taking his kid to a game, trying to sell him on this concept. Yeah. And I think. Too. I mean, we're talking about like almost three different levels of interacting with Top Shot. We have maybe the hardcore, you know, just diamond hand collectors that want to collect what they like and then just kind of step away and just enjoy their collection, maybe hop in a pack drop. You have the people who want to engage with the challenges, flip, play all of that, be hyper engaged. Maybe they're the ones interested in hardcore, you know, DFS style games with their moments. And then you have the people Mike described, the new people coming in. And I do think all of those can coexist, but how does that happen? extremely good marketing and extremely clear communications and almost having like different website experiences, depending on what kind of user you are like brand new to the site. Here's the flow. Here's how to get started. Here's where you want to hang out. Like, Oh, you're the super active guy. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. If there's these almost siloed experiences within the top out universe, however, people want to interact with it. Yeah. That's a good point because like, like if, if you're a new user, like sign up today, like my advice to you would be like, stay away from everything that like is a challenge or is like, is complicated. Cause like, there's just so many ways for you to get like burned and it. And it like, I, I know one of Roham's spaces earlier, he talked about like the, their, their like goal of like a new user joining the platform and they kind of go on their little like own adventure through top shot. And they like go collect the team that they like and, they're able to get different rewards that aren't like 
super hyper inflated because of market dynamics and they just kind of do a little i don't know 30 day journey of like shit to like build their collection and collect cool stuff and whatever and maybe they learn shit along the way about how the platform works um but like that would be cool and i mean they they did just introduce like a beginner challenge today for like only people who have bought less than five packs or whatever um so maybe that's like a a head uh you know a hat tip in that direction but i i think like long term all these dynamics if they're able to pull them off like well it it should almost be like a passive kind of like there's going to be people that are actively trying to figure them out like me <laughs> but then there, it should also just be like a passive kind of reward for people who have a large collection or who have a lot of moments on the platform like with the they they introduced like a cheat code for some of these flash challenges where if you own like that player's legendary you can just submit that into a showcase and you get the reward from that night or whatever and so that's like that's just like a very easy like passive income type of reward maybe it's worth 40 bucks or whatever but it's like you don't have to think about it at all you just open up your account you see you're eligible and you submit it and you and you take it and so like theoretically that's how some of this stuff should work it's like even with the crafting like long term it's like oh shit i have like 10 john morants from series two it's like okay maybe i can turn these into something better um versus like trying to figure out like okay should i be buying these now or should i buy three more now and yada 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 i think that is like the short-term implications and people are going to try to game it, figure it out and mess around with it and iterate it for the next couple months. But like long-term, I, I view that as like somewhat of the, of the kind of the passive decision-making and just like, Oh, this is an option for me. I'm going to do it. Yeah. We, we need the thing that gets Peter Jennings back on the site, hungry for pack drops, <laughs> mixing it up. Maybe it is just league pass. That's all Peter needed. And now he's back all in. Dude, the sneakers would get me back instantly. I've missed on so many freaking shoes lately. I mean, unbelievable. Those new golf low ones are so sick. They're you can, yeah. Golf trips, those are the best. You can wear them as regular shoes. What did you think of uh, A Rod and whoever doing the stock market thing? See, the stock market thing has been tried so many freaking times. I mean, I, I've. I've seen a ton of these different pitches, tried myself, no tons of people have tried. To me, it's still like the ultimate prize. And I hope one day to be a part of uh, when it comes to fruition, but it's super hard to execute on. It just is so hard to execute on and no one's been able to do a great job yet. But what was it? I missed it. It's like A-Rod and some others, uh, but they got a ton of money. I think it was like seven, Either the valuation was 75 or they have 75 and they're trying to build a stock market of players. And, you know, when Jeremy was on in early days of the show and I think Pete as well, like that's what we kind of thought Top Shot was going to be like. We watched this season. John Morant should absolutely like see his price skyrocket. Julius Randle should absolutely be worthless like he is on the court. So it's always a question of like, yeah, what do you do? I mean, I'm sure you've ideated over it a million times. Do you do off-court stuff? Because in that case, like Kyle Kuzma's brand value is so high, uh, but his own play, you know, isn't quite like others. Do you do what happens when they retire? Do you bonus based off of awards? Like there's so many ways to spin it, but no one has figured it out. We did it off fantasy points. And yeah, to talk about... I mean, we the first moment we invested in was freaking John Morant 
his freaking, you know, number one uh, cosmic, like, and that's barely appreciated a year later. I mean, it's appreciated, but like in the scheme of things and uh, yeah, you get all that right with like the sports stuff. It's, it's, um, I would yeah, it couldn't have gone better for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we were seriously. talking about and that. Then you missed the more I mean, I'm tilt. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was tilting that a few weeks ago about the Jokic Cosmic, and then you nailed it. Of his, course, another know, one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, there, there's a lot of markets where you can bet on performance and stuff, but yeah, it'd be really cool if it just like was something that was indefinitely going or I, I don't know. It's a really, really tough concept to figure out. Tons of people have done it. We've seen where you can buy parts of contracts. Spencer Dinwiddie was trying to, to tokenize his contract, essentially. Um, I don't know. It's a really hard space, but I, I hope I hope someone figures it out. And that was kind of my big aspiration. And part of the reason I was so drawn so much to Top Shot is I thought it had a chance to be that. And it still does in a lot of ways. So, Do you want to um, hear my hot take but, on yes. this? It's, it's, an un, it's an undoable uh, – it's, it's an unsolvable problem. It's not a hot take. The, all failed. We have evidence. <laughs> well, yeah, no, no. My hot take is like literally everyone forever will fail. It's an unfixable yeah. thing, basically, wow. unless you because unless you can find a way to actually make there be any, you have to like bootstrap an economy of people who want to actually care because you're not collecting. You're betting on people's emotional connection to a player, and so why would you ever do that versus connecting? Like it's just a purely worse version of trading cards and Top Shot. That'll basically never work uh, unless you can tie actual like somehow like payments or, you know, like people say, unless if you can tie it to like their salaries or something, then sure, it'll work. Um, but that's like a totally different application than this. But basically, I just don't think it's actually feasible to actually bootstrap people who are interested in gambling on other people being interested in gambling on other people being interested in a player. I have a counter. I, I agree with you broadly because we've all failed. There's been the closest example of like this actually working, but not working at scale for people is if you guys heard of big league advance, basically this guy, yeah. Michael Schwimmer um, was buying a percentage of people's future contracts. So imagine mm -hmm. you go in and like, he's, you know, a big market for him was he was giving insurance to like these top prospects in like South America and uh, Mexico and other places where obviously poor countries and uh, I think he had like a Kuna and a, bu a bunch of others. And uh, I've heard similar ideas for golf. Um, I do think that there are ways it could work, but broadly in the same boat as you, Andy. We've uh, all yeah, tried I think that. that's the way that it would work. The only other way that I think it really works is actually like revamping it into futures markets for player success, where you basically yeah. take like a futures market of – will they ever score 20,000 points or whatever? Will they ever do X accomplishment? And then like you basically skin that as stocks for a player uh, and you turn it into this like market of, will they ever do this? And as they play better, then the value of that goes up because they have a more likely chance of doing it. Like I think probably the easiest example would be like, will an NBA player ever make an NBA, like all NBA team? And so you're trading that for John for like John Morant, and all of a sudden this year he's playing really really well, and his his stock skyrockets. And then after the All NBA team this year is cleared, that bet clears, and maybe they have a new bet for John Morant. Yeah. Like 
Will he make five All NBA teams? But I, I don't. I think you have to tie. You need money on the other side for that. Version. Yeah. You need. Oh yeah. You, you need money need on the other side. Actively shorting whatever the position is. That that's the issue I think with this is it's like, sure maybe I want to buy some John Morant stock, but like, who is? It's just like a greater fool theory. Otherwise, unless you unless it's tied to their salaries or like some particular career accomplishment, uh, I ju- I just don't think that it actually works. Yeah, we what did it with fantasy players. players. Yeah, Real I quick. think fantasy points is another great version. Uh, underdog kind of is that. We did it with fantasy points. That was the original Star Street. So basically, you'd have an expectation for someone's fantasy points. You'd have the total market. And then based on their how many they overachieved or underachieved on fantasy points, that would dictate their stock price. But there wasn't that much interest yeah. in, like, hit the nail on the head. The big issue is liquidity. I do see an example. We were talking a little bit about crowdsourcing. I love the idea. Imagine there was, like, a golfer or a baseball player that we knew was just going to be a total stud. And like they, you know, had $0 to their name. And, you know, if you can invest behind them, I mean, a lot of people have done that, but it's just hard to scale. Um, but if you had yeah. a full company doing it, that's where the big league advance is interesting. They're thinking about doing that in other places now that people can make money off their likeness in college sports. I don't know. I could see something working there, but it's really hard to scale. Um, and broadly like a big market, like what we're talking about where tons of people are playing. I'm pretty pessimistic about it happening too. Well, it doesn't seem like it'd be that far of a leap. I, I think it was probably you, Pete, who were, we were talking on here about uh, a player who received, um, like sold the rights to all of his fir- future earnings for X amount of cash. I think it was a prospect. Maybe it was on another show. I can't remember, you know, where he took like 15 million for 50% of all of his future earnings. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what if you just then kind of turn that into a more of a crowdsource? Where it's, you know, there's a token and everyone's buying their piece of that 50% of that guy's future earnings. Like that would be another very direct way to play a futures market of a specific player. That also would require like, you know, people being very invested in like high school athletes or, or college athletes, I guess. Yeah, there's, there's and that's basically what these guys are doing. Of the swimmer thing where like 10 minor league players got together and each of them like contributed a portion of their future earnings to a pot that got distributed out to the players based on success, um, which, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, does anyone here have uh, a pack to, to close us out with? Yeah, I probably do. I got a bunch. I of All right. We'll figure it out after the jump. Yo, 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 what up? It's DJ Pete Overzat. Welcome to the club. We didn't think things were going to get popping tonight, but it's about to get lit. Behind door number two, it's a three-pointer. 1325, Kevin Durant. We're going to get a LaMelo. We're going to get a Luca. We're going to get a LeBron. Victory reveal. Let's go. God damn it. I don't need another layout. To the window. To the wall. Aaron Fox stripped down my ball. 93 assists. Everybody get their drinks. Let's get a cheers tonight before we open up these nine packs. All right. I have an empty glass of water for a very emphatic cheers. Thank you to uh, John Boy uh, for joining us tonight. John Boy, always great having you on the program. Right on. Uh, like I said, we will be back on thursday at 1 p.m rocking the throwdown uh pack drop stream so hope you guys uh tune in for that shout out as always to uh our sponsor underdog fantasy 
got all things uh, going on over there. The Superflex big board drafts we talked a little bit about last week. I keep popping in to more of those slow drafts. Um, let's see. Who has a pack to open, Mike? I have a million. A million. You poured Yeah, I just looked. I haven't looked in a while. There's a lot of packs. All right. Yeah. Share your screen. How rich? Real quick, Fernando Tatis signed for $314 million and uh, Big League Advance got about $30 million of that contract. Let's form a DAO. We just need to predict the next MVPs. You got to find John Moran in high school. Except they're going to void Tatis' contract because he's riding his motorcycle too much. <laughs> well, that's, that could be bad for Big League Advance. <laughs> Picture this, guys. We get a club top shot motor home. And we do a tour around the country just scouting uh, our next high investments. <laughs> high, high school talking. athletes. <laughs> I want Pete in the bushes at a high school with binoculars. Uh, what could go wrong? Not weird at all. <laughs> all right, Mike, what, what pack are you going to open for us tonight? I don't know. I don't know what the hell this pack is, this hollow icon. Like, I think it's a lotto pack. That yeah, that's, that's the that's... – the that's the standard one from last week. It's not. It's not great. I don't even know where I, 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 I would say you should do the. You, you probably got air dropped it for uh, having a hollow. Do you have the hollow set? No. Oh, something. I don't know. Something. Something. Should we? Uh, we could open WNBA. Run it back. You could <laughs> open a early. How early? Uh, S two base sets do you have? Or are you saving those to sell at some point in time? I don't really have a plan. Um, <laughs> Like, like released. Oh, that's series one. I bet Mike thinks about what he's doing with his packs every single night for an hour. As no, because like now they just come out of nowhere because of these airdrops. I don't know where the hell they come from. Um, John Boy, tell him a pack to open. I would do that. Do that one. A uh, series, series two, release ten. I'll okay. look up. I'll look up what's in it right now. Should I wait for you? I'll give you the EV. I'll give you the E. No, no, rip it, rip it, rip it. All right, here we go. There, there's a lot of lamellos in that one for sure. All right, I have no lamella four badgers. So let's see if we can get one. That's a nine dollar pack going at thirty five dollar EV right I'm now. I'm telling you, with Mike's luck, guaranteed pulls of lamella. I have terrible pack luck. Literally. Oh, stop! <laughs> you had, what did you last time you ripped on here? And you had like all straight uh, metallic golds. Yeah, you? I also benefited from that weird glitch where I got like five yeah. straight MGLEs and yeah packs. <laughs> But aside from that, it's been terrible. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. There's 40 Lamellos, Ant Edwards, and uh, Wiseman. All right, John Boy, what a uh, box. Go middle, baby. Look at that, not a Lamello. <laughs> Lay that quick click off of. I don't even care about Capella's first stop. Oh, now yeah, we're talking. Now we're cooking. Let's go. Jack, tell us about I the mean, crossover. Hang on, real quick, though. Was Ish Smith supplanted by Bruce Brown as the meme top shot name? Like, I for now, for happened. now. Except there was a $3,000 Ish Smith purchase the other day. Fucking random base. It was, it was pretty funny. I, love, I still hold, like, for me, I'll always have a soft spot to Bruno Fernando. That's the one that always flows off the lips. I felt bad we didn't watch this one. I came back. Okay. I was like, did you just get another point Capella? <laughs> All right. So this is Lamello or the pack luck. Um, shit has to go away. What is it? Troy Brown Jr. Oh. Right. It's not a good pack. It's not a good pack at all. 
What would you say that pack's worth, John Boy? Uh, depending on the Capella. No, the Capella's not worth anything. That pack's like a, that's like a ten dollar pack. But you got a solid wizard. I guess the packs were negative EV, right? Yeah. Yeah, All right, do one, do one more, John Boy. Pick a walk-off pack for NBL here. All right, all right, right. hold on. Done. All right. Do you have any challenges? Do do uh, do you have any? I've not ripped all those. All right. Do do that all-star game one. Single moment challenges. Those aren't that fun. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Seeing stars. Are there in some challenges right now? Right? Shouldn't I do this? Do the all-star game one. That's better. You got four of those. Okay. Oh, you don't have to. I mean, I'm not. No, no, no. It's fine. I didn't know I had four of these to be honest. (laughs) Was this an airdrop? Also, I didn't buy. I mean, you can't buy four. Andy, you buy a million. Stars in here, NBL somewhere. All right. I should have opened these for the challenges. Very inefficient. This is a new development. It's like hover over thing. So yeah, it's a delayed. The shadows delayed now. Yeah. People, okay. So people, people were like, I don't like it tells you which is the rare because of the loot box situation. So now they've delayed it. Yeah. Like it doesn't show up right away. That's how you know I don't have my ears to the top shot ground where I've missed people being livid about how the new hover pack that would have been a, That would have been a really good bit. Where's my on the, blue? Standing on the shadow hill. Well done. All right. This is a walk-off moment. Thank you to John Boy. Thank you to MBL. Thank you to Peter, who's taking care of Gracie, whose teeth are hurting right now. Thank you to Andy. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You can tune in. It's a Durant. Oh, KD. Oh, the KD. That one's pretty valuable. Beautiful. All right, we're out on that. Peace. Peace.